Jesus had been crucified. He was dead. And He was laying in a tomb on Saturday. For His disciples, that was earth-shattering because their teacher, their leader, and their hope, their friend, was dead. They couldn't bring Him back. Their teacher was dead. Their relationship had come to an abrupt and violent end. And their dreams were shattered. They were confused. They thought that it was over. And their future was unknown. They had been pushed to the edge and all we hear from God on Saturday is silence. Oh, they heard from Him on Friday when Jesus was hanging on the cross. The veil of the temple was rent in twain. In two, the graves were opened and people appeared. The earth was shook and there was darkness. The sky went dark when Jesus was sacrificed on the cross. In fact, the centurion said in Matthew chapter 27 and verse 54, Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly this was the Son of God. What had transpired on that day had opened their eyes. They recognized who had died on that cross. And then Jesus was taken and laid in a tomb. And all day Saturday... There was nothing. Those events transpired 2,000 years ago. And as followers of Christ, I have to ask, how many times have we been there where God has been silent? God didn't make any noise on that Saturday. Jesus was dead. We too have been pushed to the edge many times, hurt by the past, terrified by the future, and we sit in silence waiting for an answer from God, waiting for God to to do something. And in this lesson this morning, I want to share a few suggestions from God's Word concerning what we need to do when we experience a silent Saturday. Because I know that there are many times in our own lives where We want to hear from God, and I know we're not going to have no audio or visual thing, but we want God's help. And I've heard Christians say, I pray to God, and I talk to God, and I pray often, and I pray diligently, but yet I don't hear anything. There's no response. I still have the same problem. I still have the same issues. And so this morning, I want to help us. Because I believe that there are many trials that we face in this life, like death. Death comes into our lives, and as Tim mentioned, it doesn't go away the next day. Those pains are there for a very long period of time in our lives. There are other problems that we face in life, like marriage troubles. Sometimes that's difficult to deal with. And we want God's help. And there's problems sometimes that we have with our children. And then there's job problems. 
And then there's financial troubles. And then there's health problems. And there's all kinds of issues that we have to face on a daily basis. And it may not happen all at once, and it may not happen every single day of our lives, but someone, I guarantee in this room, is dealing with some kind of issue of hurt that they have to deal with in their life. And we want to know that God's hearing us. But sometimes it just seems like He's silent. The Bible tells us in Job chapter 5 and verse 7, Yet man is born unto troubles as the sparks fly upward. You ever sat around a bonfire or a campfire and you see those sparks rising up? Well, that's a natural thing for that to do. It's the natural thing for that to happen. And sometimes when you throw another log on, those sparks just fly out. And I don't know about you, but there's been occasions where the next day I look at those clothes that I had on and there might be a hole burned in them. Those sparks can cause other troubles. But what God's telling us here, what Job is telling us is that that's part of life. There's going to be troubles in our lives. And it's just as natural as it is when you put that log on the fire and those sparks come out and they dripped off away. And then Job says in Job chapter 14 and verse 1, man that is born of woman is a full few days and full of trouble. Oh, I think all of us would agree with that. Any of us that are old enough to realize life isn't, doesn't always go as we would like for it to go. That there are difficulties that we face. There are hard times that we deal with. And there are situations that we have no control over. And we want to hear from God. Life is hard. You pray and you pray and you pray and it just seems that God isn't listening. It seems that He doesn't hear us. In Psalms chapter 6, beginning at verse 1, it says, O Lord, rebuke me not in Thine anger, neither chasten me in Thy hot displeasure. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are vexed. My soul is also vexed, sore vexed. But Thou, O Lord, how long? Return, O Lord, deliver my soul. O save me from Thy mercy's sake. For in death there is no remembrance of Thee. In the grave who shall give Thee thanks? I am weary with my groanings all the night. Make I my bed to swim. I water my couch with my tears. Mine eyes are is consumed because of grief. It waxeth old because of mine enemies. Think about that passage of Scripture. How many times have you cried yourself to sleep because of some difficulty you're facing in life? Your pillow may be wet, and that's what the psalmist is saying here. He's swimming in his tears because he's full of sorrow and life is tough. In 1 Kings chapter 9 or 19 and verse 4, Elijah was in one of those difficult periods of time in his life where he said, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life. He wanted to die. Have you ever been there? Where well, the problem is just so tough 
It's so hard that you just say, Lord, let it end. I would imagine in a group this big, there's been a few of us in that situation. Just let it be over with. So what do I do when the hurt is so overwhelming? How do I get through it when every waking moment is consumed with my problem? I go to bed thinking about it, wake up in the middle of the night thinking about it, get up the next morning thinking about it, and all day long that's all that goes through my mind. How do I get through when every waking moment is consumed by the problem in my life? What do I do when it seems that God is not listening? What do we do? We can look at David. And if you have your Bible, turn over to Psalms chapter 13. You see, David was a man after God's own heart. And David had many troubles and trials in his life. He pursued, he was pursued by Saul who wanted to kill him. He had to flee into enemy territory in order to hide. A son that died because of his own or David's sin. A son that rapes his daughter who rapes a daughter, and a son who kills that son, and then a son that plots against David, loses his kingdom to Absalom, and then Absalom is killed. This is a man after God's own heart. But he had troubles. He had hurts. He had challenges. He had difficulties. David knew what grief and pain and hurt was all about. In Psalms chapter 13, look at what it says, beginning in verse 1. This is David. How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord, forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? How long will, shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall my enemies be exalted over me? Verse 3, Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Lighten mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed against him, and those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. Does that sound like David is having a tough time? That he's talking to God and he's not getting an answer? And then in verse 5, listen to what he says. But I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord because he hath dealt bountifully with me. David realized that there was a period of time that God just didn't seem to be talking to him. But what's he say he's going to do? He's still going to trust God. He's still going to look to God for the answers. 
And He's going to count the blessings that He has. So many times when we're consumed with all the troubles and problems that we have to go through in life, we forget all the blessings that are around us, all the good things that have happened, all the good things that are happening to us even in that current situation. And that's what we need to remember. You see, I will hurt. I will grieve. And there's no way to hide from it. As Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3 tells us, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. God will keep him in perfect peace. You know, when we're hurting and, and, and suffering, it's hard to have peace, isn't it? But isn't that exactly what Isaiah is saying? That God can give us peace. Who does He give that peace to? Those whose mind trusts in Him. Do we trust God? It's easy from time to time to say, yeah, we trust God. Yeah, you know, I, I believe God all the But then when that trial comes, that difficulty comes, that challenge comes, that's when it's hard to really trust God. But Isaiah is saying that if we can trust God, if we really trust Him, He can give us that peace. Why? Because we know that He hasn't forsaken us. And we know that He's still there. And we're still in His care. We've got to trust Him. So what do we do when it seems that God is not listening? You hold on to God. You continue to trust Him. You wait upon God. We wait upon Him like it says in Psalms 27 and verse 14. Wait on the Lord... Uh, be of good courage, and He shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say thee, on the Lord. But Lord, I want an answer now. Wait. Listen to what David says in Psalms 23. We've seen some of the agony that he's had in his soul when it seemed that God did not listen to him or answer his prayer. Listen to what he says in Psalm chapter 23. When he says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For Thou art with me, Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What's David saying? The Lord's going to take care of me. The Lord, I have no needs. He provides. I don't have to worry. He'll take care of me. 
I don't have to be afraid because He's there with me. His rod and His staff, they covered me. Why? Because there's the rescue hook and then there's the protection. God's there. And David realized that. Do we realize that? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Nothing to be afraid of. Thou hast prepared a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. He's counting his blessings. He's thinking about what God has done for him and what God is continuing to do for him. And his cup runneth over. I haven't been into a place in a very long time where coffee was served with a saucer. But back in my grandpa's house in Tennessee, who had a rundown shack, I mean, it was built on the, 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 the foundations was rocks that the house was sitting on. You could look all the way underneath and see the snakes and the coon dogs and the beagles and whatever else was under there. Isaac wanted to know the other day, did you ever go underneath there? No. But I can remember him sitting at the table and they would pour coffee and it would go over the top and onto that saucer. And he would drink what was in that saucer. Oh, he slurped it up. Yeah, I can still hear those sounds. But his cup run over. Do we realize how our cups run over? God's blessed us. What we need to realize is we can't force God into our time frame. God will provide for what we need when He sees fit. He'll lead us beside the still waters. He'll provide the green grass. He'll take care of us. We just have to trust Him. You see, being uncomfortable isn't always a bad thing. And being confused doesn't always need to be answered. We don't need an answer. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1. I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower, and I will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. What's he saying? I'll wait on God. Whatever his answer will be, I'm on the lookout for it. Whatever he wants me to do, I'm on the lookout for it. The opportunity, the occasion, whatever it may be, I'm going to be on the lookout watching for it. You have your Bible, turn over to Exodus chapter 13 or chapter 14. I want to read a few verses, well, several verses there. But this is when the children of Israel were exiting Egypt. After the plagues, and they were told that they could leave. And in Exodus chapter 14, beginning in verse 1, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel that they turn and encamp before 
Piaratha uh, between Megal and the sea over against Belphizon. Before it shall ye encamp by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, They are entangled in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he shall follow after them. And I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all of his hosts, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Stop right there. They're leaving Egypt. They're told to go into a place where Pharaoh's going to think they're trapped. And Moses is to tell the children of Israel, that's what we're doing. Now, did they trust God when they did that? Because it says, and they did it. Did they trust God? Did they have their trust in God when they went where they were supposed to go? They most certainly did. And how many times have we trusted God on occasions that we know where we're going and what's going to happen? But then look at verse 5. And it was told the king of Egypt that the people fled in the hearts of Pharaoh and his servants were turned against the people and they said, Why have we done this? that we have let Israel go from serving us. And he made ready his chariots and took his people with him. And he took 600 chosen chariots and all the chariots of Egypt and a captain over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and he pursued after the children of Israel. And the children of Israel sent out with a high hand, or went out with a high hand. But the Egyptians pursued after them all the horses and chariots of of Pharaoh and his horsemen and his army and overtook them in camp by the sea beside Piaratha, also Balthazar. Well, it's like saying Ypsilanti for some people. But when Pharaoh... Listen to this part right here. But when Pharaoh drew nigh... The children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord, and they said unto Moses, Because there are no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dwelt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptian than that we had died in the wilderness. What happened to that trust? Hadn't they been told that this is what's going to happen? What happened to the trust? And isn't that the way it happens with us sometimes? We trust God when nothing's happening, but when something bad happens, oh Lord, where are you? Where you been? What are you going to do? And He's told us what He's going to do. Look at verse 13. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will show you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. 
The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. Wait on the Lord. That's all they needed to do. God was going to fight for them. God was going to be victorious. God was going to win the battle. They didn't have to even worry about it. But yet, when the challenge arose, they were afraid. And that's what happens with us many times. We trust God when everything's fine. Everything's going well. But then when there's a problem, we're afraid. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Do we believe that? So wait on the Lord. But then we need to do what we need to do is do what the Lord tells us to do. So what do I do when God seems that He's not listening? I wait on Him and I obey His commands. In Luke chapter 23, verses 55 through 656, it says, And the women also which came with Him from Galilee followed after and beheld the sepulcher and how His body was laid. And they returned and prepared spices and ointments and rested the Sabbath day according to the commandments. You see, these women were just as confused as His disciples were. They thought, just like the disciples thought, that Jesus had another plan, that it wasn't a a spiritual kingdom that He was talking about, but that He was going to have a kingdom here on this earth. And so Jesus is dead, so they just assume that He's dead all over and He's not coming back. And why would they think something like that? Because everyone else that had died hadn't come back. Oh yeah, Lazarus was raised from the dead. Others were raised from the dead, but that was with Jesus when He was alive. Jesus is now dead in the tomb. Lifeless. But these women were confused by His death just like the disciples, but they demonstrated, and I think that's demonstrated by the fact that they're coming on Sunday, the first day of the week, to anoint His body. They weren't expecting Him to get up. They weren't expecting that tomb to be open. You read the story and they're like, who's going to roll away the stone? They didn't expect Him to come back from the grave. But notice what they did on Saturday. The Sabbath day. The seventh day of the week. They obeyed the commandments of God. So brethren, when we're faced with a difficulty in life, We wait upon God. But we continue to obey what He's told us to do. And third, we remember His promises. We remember the things that He's told us. Jesus had told them that He was going to rise from the dead on the third day. But they obviously didn't believe it. So in Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 13, it says, And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs. And they talked together of all the things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus Himself drew near and went with them. 
but their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of conversation are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, Art thou, the only, art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are coming to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty in deeds and words before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death, and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And besides all this today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also in our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulchre. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had been also seen a vision of angels which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even as the women had said. But him they saw not. Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto the village, neither they went, and he made it through, or made it as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went to the inn to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and brake it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our hearts burn within us while He talked with us by the way and while He opened to us the Scriptures? And they arose at the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way and how He was known to them in breaking of bread." They needed to be reminded of what Jesus had said He would do. And Jesus talks to them about the Scriptures that they were familiar with, or should have been familiar with, about Jesus Himself. And brothers, sometimes when difficulties happen in our life, we need to be reminded of the goodness of God and what He has promised us in His Word. And that's why we need to wait upon Him. We need to be obedient to His will and get into His Word and study it and put it in our hearts and trust it. Is that easy to do? Not always. But we can do it. God has made great promises for us. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. I want you to notice that passage of the Scripture doesn't say some things work together for good. It doesn't say part of the things work for good. It says all things work together for good. To who? To them that love God. Does that mean you're always going to see good come out of whatever struggle you're going through? (laughs) 
No. But do I believe that it's there? Yes, I do. Why? Because God said it's there. Does that mean that I'm not going to have any struggles or difficulties or problems in life? No. I'm still going to have problems and struggles and difficulties in life. But God can make good come out of it. And I've seen situations that were terrible, but I've seen good come out of all of them. We need to look for it. You see, sometimes the good is what we define is going to be good. And when we wait on the Lord, and we build our tower, and we wait for Him to give an answer, sometimes that answer isn't what we expect. But it's good through someone else. Think about that. That's a promise. Are you called according to His purpose? That's important. Are you here serving God, doing what He wants you to do, or are you living for the world? Because you see, when you, to have that trust, you've got to know God. You've got to have that relationship with Him where you can call Him your Father, where you can talk to Him in prayer, and He can hear your pleas and He can help you. But you've got to trust Him. And it may not be on your time schedule, but it will be on His time schedule. And you may not see the good, but it's there. And sometimes as we're going through that struggle, that difficulty, we're not really looking for the good. But maybe down the road, even years down the road, we can look back and we can see the good. We can see the good. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. We're not alone in this world. We have God. We have our Savior. They love us and they care for us. The Lord is my shepherd. Is he yours? My friends, we all have had and will continue to have silent days in our lives. Those days are uncomfortable. They're unnerving. They can shake our faith. But remember who you, who, who you belong to. Remember you're one of God's children. And He cares about you. And He loves you. And He'll help you. But you have to be a child of His. One of my favorite passages of Scripture is found in Isaiah chapter 40. And it's on the screen. And it's an important passage of Scripture. Because as you read that, I don't know about you if you've ever seen an eagle soaring in the sky, but it's a majestic sight. I saw an eagle one time that was soaring and then he started coming down and the next thing he went down in the river and grabbed a fish and off he flew. That's the picture that God wants us to see when we wait on Him. He'll renew our strength. He'll do what we need to help us. We're not alone. 
God cares about you. Are you a Christian? Are you a child of His? Is He your shepherd? Are you trusting in Him? Those are the things that are important. And the only way that you can be a child of His is to do what He's told us that we need to do. And He tells us what the plan is. Jesus made it very simple when He said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And we see that practice in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2, verse 38, when they cried out to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? What did Peter say? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That wasn't just a one-day special event. You can see that throughout the book of Acts, where people wanted to obey the Gospel. And what did they do? They believed. They made a confession. We can see where they repented of their sins. And we can see that they were buried with our Lord in baptism. They went down into the water. They came up out of the water. And I've said a hundred times, if not more, that if there was ever a day in the life of the history of the church where it would have been very convenient to say, pray this prayer, it would have been on the day of Pentecost when about 3,000 souls were baptized. The Bible doesn't say that, does it? It says that they were obedient. They did what they were told to do. And my friend, if you're not a Christian, that's what you need to do in order to be saved. And then God can help you. And He'll help you through this life with the trials and tribulations and struggles and challenges that we face. Maybe you are a Christian and your, your faith has faltered. Maybe to a point where you think that He doesn't even care about you anymore. He still loves you. And He still cares for you. And if you need our prayers to help you, if you need our encouragement, we're here to help you. You have that opportunity. You can come and respond. We'll take care of your need while we stand and sing.